1 Corinthians 15, 1-11. This is New Living Translation. Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is the good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believed something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me, and not without results. For I have worked harder than all of the other apostles. Yet, I, yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. So it makes no difference whether I preach or they preach, for we all preach the same message you have already believed. That was good worship. Thank you for uh, leading us before the Lord in that. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for uh, this opportunity we've had to sing these songs of worship. And, and Lord, it's pretty obvious that they have pointed us to the work of Jesus at the cross in his resurrection. The salvation that was made possible through that work. And it gave us a chance, Lord, not only to remember that, but, Father, to just praise you and worship you. Thank you for your forgiveness, for your gracious salvation to us and the hope we have because of that. And how you've changed our lives, how you've worked in our lives, how you've made us different people. Thank you for that reminder. Father, keep reminding us today. And I pray, Lord, as we look at your word, that we who are Christians, we who have surrendered to you for salvation, I pray that this would be a time of remembering, continuing our gratefulness. And Father, for those who don't know you, for those who really don't know what it's like to have you living in their life by your Spirit, Father, may this be the day that you reach deep within them and bring them to yourself. That would be our desire. So we commit this time to you. In Christ's name, amen. Well, let's look at uh, the screen for uh, a little while here. We're at another junction in our series that we're going through. The series is called Chapters You Should Know, and I've identified four chapters in the Bible that I think are important. They all are, but identified four, and we are spending three weeks in each of those chapters looking at what it is 
in those chapters that's so important. And so we have spent three weeks in Genesis 3. We have concluded three weeks in John chapter 10, two weeks ago. And so today we are going to start three weeks in 1 Corinthians 15, the chapter that Jesse read for us. Um, in Genesis chapter 3, we learned important things about origins, specifically the origin of sin and uh, that problem, how it came into the world. In John chapter 10, we learned about Jesus as our good shepherd and uh, how he can become our good shepherd and the security we can have in knowing him as our good shepherd. And so today, 1 Corinthians 15. If you would take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Corinthians before we get to 1 Corinthians, I want to begin our study of 1 Corinthians 15 by reading something from 2 Corinthians 5. So if you would turn there, 2 Corinthians 5. I want to read the first few verses. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, um, just because I think it, it words it so much better as far as understanding here. So 2 Corinthians 5.1. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body, made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies, and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. I did all week. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. You know, we talk about that once in a while as Christians, maybe not as often as we should. This idea that the day is coming when Christ will return and there will be the resurrection of the dead. Or there will be a catching up of the people of God who are still alive at that time. And we read that at that time, as told here in 2 Corinthians 5 or 1 Thessalonians 4, or in our chapter for the next three weeks, 1 Corinthians 15, that at that time, the people of God will receive new bodies. They're called heavenly bodies. Bodies that we will live in for eternity. And I don't know about you, but I've once in a while wondered what that would be like. What will it be like? What will that new body be like? Will it be drastically different? Will there be similarities? Uh, what will the, the body be able to do? 
Um, it's kind of interesting to ask that question. When we come to 1 Corinthians 15, that question is actually asked and answered. So for the first time in three weeks, let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The question that I just made reference to is actually asked in verse 35. So take a look at verse 35. It's well into the chapter. But here's the question that we are going to be thinking about these three weeks. Paul says, but someone may ask, how are the dead raised? And here's the question. With what kind of body will they come? What will that resurrection body be like? What will it look like? That is the question that we want to get answered in the next three weeks as we look at this chapter. After verse 35, Paul answers the question. He tells us what that body will be like. But... Before we see the answer to the question, we have to go back to the beginning of the chapter. I'll quote to you from the book of Marlin, chapter 4, verse 2. Blessed are the waiters, for they shall get their answer. On the 24th of April. Not today. Because it's really important before we see the answer to the question, what will our resurrected bodies be like, that we go back. We're going to rewind back to verse 1 of this chapter and work our way up to the question and the answer. So, that's why I had Jesse read the first 11 verses. That's what we're going to look at today. Um, And you'll notice that the, the title on your study sheet of today's study is the answer to that question begins with the gospel. It begins with the gospel. We can't just go answer the question. We've got to begin with the gospel. So, let's talk about the gospel today. The gospel, of course, is good news. That's what it means, good news. Evangel, euangel. Um, uh, the first part, E-U in the Greek word, euangel, um, means good Uh, We get the word eulogy from that, good words that are spoken, say, at a funeral. Here it's euangel, evangel. Um, Angel or angel means message, messenger. And so evangel, this word translated gospel, means good message. 
good news. That's the gospel. And when we come to the first part of chapter 15, that's what Paul is talking about. He says, now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel. So he's going to give these Corinthian Christians a reminder of the good news, the gospel. He says, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. Paul was called to preach this message. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, woe is me if I don't. He was so convinced that God had given him this calling. In fact, in Romans 15, 16, he calls it a duty to preach the gospel, the, the good news, the good message of Jesus. So he says, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preach to you. He says, which you received. You can go back to Acts 18 and read about Paul's time in the city of Corinth. He spent a year and a half there. And it will describe how he went about preaching the gospel of Jesus. Acts 18. So he's reminding them of that. I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received. He says, when I preached this message, this good news, you received it. You welcomed it. And on which you have taken your stand. You not only received the good news when I preached it, you took your stand on it. Verse 11, he even says, you believed it. You welcomed the message You believed it, and you took your stand on it. You committed yourself to that good news, to that message. Remember? Remember, he's reminding them. Then he says in verse 2, By this gospel, you are saved. By welcoming and receiving and firmly committing yourself to that message, You are saved, he says. Um, Reminds me of Romans chapter 1. You can turn there if you want. Uh, You're probably familiar with it. Romans chapter 1, he says to the Romans in verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news, because it, the gospel, is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Believing the gospel message brings salvation. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. In believing and committing yourself to the gospel message, there is salvation, and you become right with God. And so Paul says, I'm reminding you of that gospel. I preached it to you. You welcomed it, you received it, you believed it, you stand firm in it, you've committed yourself firmly to it, you took your stand on that gospel, and you are saved by it, delivered, rescued by it. Let's say that I told you that I had found something really good. And I tell you, I heard about this really good stuff. 
And I tell you that it sounded so good that I went out and I found it. And it turned out it was real. And I tell you that I got some and I took it home. And I started eating it every day. And it's the best choice I ever made because it's changing my life. It's so good. And I'm going through all this description of this, this good stuff that I'm excited about. And yet, as I'm doing this, in your mind, I'm sure, you're thinking a certain question. Well, what is it? Right? I mean, you told me you heard about it. You told me you heard it was good. You told me you went out looking for it, and you found it, and it ended up being real. You told me you got some. You told me you brought it home. You told me you've been eating it every day. You told me it's tremendous. It's changing your life. You told me you're never going to stop eating it. But you haven't told me what it is. Paul starts the chapter. I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you. You welcomed it. You believed it. You committed yourself to it firmly. You were saved by it. Now, I'm going to tell you what it is. I'm going to remind you what it is. What is the gospel? What is that good news? Verse 3. He says, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. This was the most important message I had to give you. And I passed it on to you, and this is it. This is the gospel. By the way, let me just ask you this. Um, it's not in my notes, but let me ask you this. And you don't care if it's in my notes or not, right? Let me ask you this. If somebody asked you tomorrow, at work, in school, at Sulu's, oh, they're not open, at, you know, sometime this week, if they asked you, what is this gospel you people talk about? What is it? Could you tell them? Would you be able to sit there or stand there and answer their question and explain to them the good news, the gospel? Here it is. Here's the gospel. Verse 3, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. What's the gospel? It's the good news that Jesus Christ died for our sins. The backstory there is that we have sins. We are sinners. And our sins separate us from God, the holy God. Our sins are a violation of our Creator's will for us, standards for us. 
And as a result of our sin, we will pay a penalty. The Bible calls it judgment. And it's an eternal penalty. We deserve it because we're sinners. But the gospel, the good news says, Jesus Christ died for our sins. According to the scriptures. See, Paul, Paul is reminding them he didn't make this up. Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. The scriptures say so. But we have to think, what scriptures, Paul? Think about the time in which he's saying this. Well, it's possible they already had the writings of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It could be possible. Where in every one of those writings, you had a description of Jesus dying. But also they had Isaiah. Isaiah 53 talks about the dying on our behalf, the dying for sinners that the Messiah would experience. And so Paul says the gospel is the message that Jesus Christ died for our sins in our place. He paid for our sins. He was judged for our sins. He paid our debt, however you want to word it, according to the Scriptures. The Scriptures say so. And then he was buried. You ever found it interesting that that's part of the gospel? I mean, we can see Jesus died for our sins. That's an important part of this good news. But the next thing he says is that he was buried. What's so important about the burial? Proof of death. There were people at that time who concluded Jesus was dead, that he really died. That's why they buried him. The burial is important. It was proof of death. Then he goes on. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. You can find it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Even in some of the Psalms you get the idea that this Messiah is going to be someone that death cannot hold. According to the scriptures. He was raised on the third day, defeated death, conquered death. The grave couldn't hold him. Jesus Christ is alive. That's the good news of the gospel. He died for our sins. He was buried. He really was dead. But then he rose again, came to life. Verse 5, and that he appeared again. At first you think, well, why is that part of the gospel? Well, just like the burial was proof of death, appearing to people was proof of what? Life. And so Paul says, he rose and he appeared to Peter, to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500. Verse 7, he appeared to James. Then he appeared again to all the apostles. And Paul says, last of all, he appeared to me. And you go back to Acts 9 on the Damascus Road. He appeared to me as to one 
abnormally born. <laughs> doesn't mean Paul was abnormal when he was born. It means it was later. It was kind of out of the out of sync here. He appeared to these, this, this, them. And then later, he appeared to me, Paul says. That's the gospel. That's, that's how Paul presents the gospel. He reminds the Corinthians, this is what I taught you. This is the good news that I gave to you. You welcomed it. You believed it. You took hold of it and committed yourself firmly to it. And it saved you. What is it? That Jesus Christ died for our sins. And he was buried. And on the third day he rose again to life. Conquered death. And he appeared to all these people to prove he was alive. That's the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus. And it's according to the scriptures. He repeats that twice. It's not made up by somebody. It's not just Paul's opinion. He bases it on the scriptures written by eyewitnesses or someone who knew an eyewitness. According to the scriptures, this is the good news of Jesus Christ. In his death, forgiveness. Sin paid for. Forgiveness available. In his resurrection, life eternal. Hope beyond the grave through salvation. Then Paul gets personal about the gospel. Remember he said, and then finally Jesus appeared to me. Then he gets personal and he says, in verse 9, I am the least of the apostles. And I do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. What I did... The sin that was in me, the sin I committed in persecuting the people of God, I did not deserve the salvation that came through the gospel. It says in verse 10, but by the grace of God, grace, I am what I am. It's grace. I don't deserve it. In fact, he goes on. And he says, and his grace to me was not without effect. It worked. It was fruitful. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Three or four times he mentions grace. The grace of God. This gospel is about grace. It's the gospel of grace. Jesus died for our sins. We didn't deserve that, but he did it by grace. He rose again so that he can give eternal life. We don't deserve that. We deserve judgment eternally. 
But by grace, he gives that hope. Paul understood it. I think some of you understand it. I think some of you can relate to what Paul's saying. The kind of person I used to be, the life I used to live, I have no other explanation for where I am today as a child of God, forgiven with the hope of eternal life. No explanation except for grace. By grace you are saved through faith. It's the gift of God. It's not of works. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. But that's why the gospel is such good news. That's why the gospel is so good. It presents salvation by grace. So what does reminding the Corinthians at the beginning of this chapter have to do with our question? The question of verse 35. What will our bodies be like after the resurrection? What does the gospel have to do with our question? This is what it has to do with our question. Without the gospel, without welcoming and receiving the gospel message, without believing the gospel message, without embracing and taking hold of and committing yourself to the gospel message, you aren't even part of the answer to the resurrection body question. You aren't. Because the resurrection body question is for those who will have this new resurrection body. And how do you receive the right to have this new resurrection body? It's by welcoming, believing, firmly taking hold of and committing yourself to and being saved by the gospel. So do you see why we had to rewind? We need to be very clear when we get to the answer of what the resurrection body will look like that the answer goes through and begins with the gospel because the answer isn't even relevant if you haven't addressed the gospel, the message, the good news of Jesus Christ. Let me show you a couple of scriptures about that, both in Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians, first chapter. <clears throat> Uh, we'll start in verse 6, 2 Thessalonians 1. Uh, Paul begins this letter uh, to a, a small church that's been suffering persecution 
And I suppose it feels like to these people that those who are persecuting them are getting away with it. I mean, I can see them thinking that. And so here is, is Paul encouraging these persecuted Christians. Second Thessalonians 1.6, God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Who will be punished when Jesus returns? Those who did not obey the gospel of Jesus, the good news. How do you obey the gospel? You welcome the message. You believe it. You take hold of it firmly, commit yourself to it, and you are saved by it. That's obeying the gospel. And Paul is saying when Jesus comes, those who did not respond to the gospel that way will face punishment, judgment. Verse 9, they will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power. On the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people, and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you. When you believed our testimony. What was Paul's testimony? The gospel. You see, these people he's talking about who will be punished and separated and, and have no part in the majesty of God for eternity. They don't need to know the answer to the resurrection body question. Because they are not getting a new resurrection body. Why? They did not believe the gospel. They did not embrace it. They did not obey the gospel. And so again, the question we're answering these three weeks isn't even relevant to someone who hasn't responded to the gospel. It's for those who have. They are the ones who will, either after resurrection from the dead or still being alive and caught up, will receive this new body. It's those who obeyed the gospel who responded by faith to this gracious message of salvation through Jesus. <clears throat> Second chapter of Second Thessalonians. <clears throat> Verse 13. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel. He says, Thessalonians... God called you to salvation through the gospel, that message, the gospel call. And apparently the Thessalonians, just like the Corinthians, 
welcomed that message, believed it, embraced it, took firm hold of it, committed themselves to it, and were saved. That was their response to the gospel call when they heard the message. Have you answered the gospel call? Can you remember when the gospel of Jesus Christ was presented to you? Maybe it was many times, many times. Can you remember a time when you answered that gospel call? When you welcomed it to yourself personally, you believed that message of Jesus' death and resurrection for you, the forgiveness provided by grace, the, the hope beyond the grave provided through the resurrection. Did you believe that message? Do you remember a time when you answered the gospel call and you took hold of that message firmly and committed yourself to Jesus, the one who died for you and rose again? Do you remember when your response to that gospel call brought forgiveness, salvation? God began to work in your life and change your life, and he's still walking with you today. Do you remember? Did you answer the gospel call? Have you answered it? Boy, I tell you, I don't know about you, I was blessed last Sunday to hear those four or five testimonies from those men. And uh, one of the things I got from all four or five testimonies was these men have answered the gospel call. These guys have believed in Jesus. These guys have firmly taken hold of the gospel, believed it. These guys have been forgiven, saved. They have hope, and God's changing their lives. Did you catch that? It was the gospel. The other thing I caught was everyone who shared their testimony talked about how many times they had gone through treatment of some kind for their addictions. And it didn't work. What they had in common is finally they answered the gospel call. And God took over. I was blessed by that. It just reminded me of the power of the gospel. And that's what Paul said in, in Romans 1. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for all who believe. And so that's how Paul starts 1 Corinthians 15. He's going to get to our question. What will the resurrection body be like? But before we get there and see the answer, on April 24th, mark your calendar, we have to understand the answer begins with the gospel. Because the answer is relevant only for those who have been saved through the gospel of Jesus Christ and his work. Have you answered the gospel call?
Maybe you've been rejecting it. You've heard it over and over again. But you've kept resisting it and rejecting it. If that's you, the answer to our question isn't relevant right now. You need to decide what you're going to do with Jesus and the good news of salvation. You might be thinking in your mind right now, well, I already am saved. I, I've been a Christian all my life. That is absolutely untrue. I'm old enough and been around long enough to just state that to you. If you think you've been a Christian all your life, you are absolutely wrong. Your life started when? At birth. And what does the Bible say we are from birth? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No one is a Christian from the beginning. No one has been a Christian all their life. You need to respond to the gospel message, to the good news of Jesus Christ. And what a great time for that decision to be made. The week in which we're celebrating the death of Jesus for our sins, making forgiveness possible. The week we are celebrating a living Savior, the resurrection of Jesus, who because of his resurrection can give you hope beyond the grave, life eternal. What a great time to submit to the gospel message. Welcome it. Believe it. Grab onto it firmly and make it yours. Commit yourself to it. And be saved. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this this message. This message that is so good. This message of salvation through Jesus, the gospel. Thank you that you loved us so much that you sent Jesus. That he was willing to go to the cross, sinless, and yet bear on that cross our sin. And in our place be judged for our sins, pay our penalty. Thank you that he's alive. Thank you that we worship, we serve, we follow a living Lord and Savior who can give to his people hope beyond the grave, life eternal. Father, we who have embraced the gospel, we who have obeyed the gospel, we who have answered the gospel call, we thank you. And this is a week when we we just keep thanking you and we celebrate our salvation. But Father, we guess you know 
that there may be some here who don't know you, who have heard the gospel but never responded personally to it. Father, I pray that maybe this could be the day. No matter what they've done, no matter how they've lived, Lord, your grace and your mercy is so much greater. And Father, I pray that as we close our service with this song, I pray that someone here would do business with you and that this would be the day that they answer the gospel call and receive Jesus Christ, the one who died for them and rose again as their Savior and Lord and seek your forgiveness and begin a new life walking with you and serving you and looking forward to that new resurrection body when you return. Amen.